I just wanted to say I was, I was so proud uh, last year. I remember we went together and I was able to be a part of that. I'm just as proud this year to send, uh, send you guys and uh, be blessed as you go. I know that you're going to be, uh, it's going to be a great week there. And uh, whatever the Lord has, he always has something in mind. And God is uh, about missions. God is about missions. So his heart is, is to reach lost people. And uh, that starts here at our home. That starts here at your house. It starts in your household. It starts in your community. Wherever you work, wherever you are in contact, you have a mission field. And obviously, every day you wake up. Amen. How many know it's sometimes the battle, the heat is on, and uh, when if we weren't doing anything to upset the enemy, we probably wouldn't be doing anything, right? And that's a good thing. We can expect bumps in the roads and little things to come along, and Satan wants to hinder us and slow us down. But Jesus always wins. Jesus will win. Jesus has won. We have the victory in the name of Jesus. And sometimes we don't always feel victorious. Sometimes we feel the weight of it. But just give us some time. Yes. The, those who wait upon the Lord, Isaiah, those who take the time for God, you'll never be disappointed. You will, you will feel his strength. And oftentimes, I know when I'm overextended, and we just got to graduation, and we just got to all the cleaning of the yard, and that took a month, I'm just like, wow, and then it rains. So we moved over here and didn't have to do all that work, but we really did do have to do all that work. But that's always an event that takes, seems like, to motivate me, right? Not you. Right? You too? Okay. Thank you for being honest. Hey, we're all a lot alike in many, time, many, many ways. We often worry about similar things. We're concerned about similar things. There's a lot of things that we, 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 we understand, that we know we need the Lord, we know we need God, but also we need each other. We need your, we need your prayers. Continue to pray for this team. They're, they're going to be uh, uh, stepping in, for some of them, a new territory and uh, a new thing, but for others, they've been there before and blessing upon them. How did Jesus know what to do every day? Did Jesus know what he was going to do? Oftentimes, I think he went to the Father. We see, if we watch Jesus' life, he often was early in the morning praying. You would find him in his favorite place. There's a pattern, if you look at Jesus' life, that he took his time with God so that he could be used by God. And he had an, a private life, a personal private walk with his Father so that he could go out into public and be used and demonstrated by God is still the key today for our success. None of us can do with anything really significant, but when you spend time with God, you're never spending wasted time. You're always investing. When you're investing in God, it comes back to you. It'll come back to you until you can give it to others. And this cycle is precious. And so the, the Bible says in Isaiah that the word of God comes down like the snow and the rain. How many remember just a month and a half ago, <laughs> we were still, lo still looking at snowbanks here, right? You remember that? Yeah. Why, how quickly things can green up and change and so forth. But God's word comes down and wants to water 
our soul wants to prepare a way. This, we, we, we need to pray that the seeds that are going to be sown in Belize are going to germinate. And a seed, when I say a seed, you're planting a seed when you go with love, the love of God. When you show someone kindness, when you act out of, serve, out of a servant's heart, you're, you're planting seeds. And so Jesus, we're, go, we're going to be going to John a bit, and we're, we're up to the fourth chapter. And the third chapter was a bit, a bit about, let me review a little bit about a man named Nicodemus. How many know anything about him? He was a Pharisee. He was a teacher. He was a religious man. But Jesus asked him a question, and basically Nicodemus was searching. He came to Jesus by night. And Jesus confronted him with the idea that unless you can be, unless you're born again, unless you're born by the Spirit of God, religion is not going to get you to heaven. Unless the Spirit of God lives in you, and how does that happen? When you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. When you understand you need His forgiveness, when you understand you can't. Work hard enough, be good enough to get to heaven on your own. So I was in conversation with a man on the job this past week. He happened to be a Vietnam vet, and he happened to be struggling a bit yet with the issues of post-traumatic war syndrome. He's still struggling with Asian ores, still having some effects in his body, having cancer in his liver at one time. Vodka said it'll probably come back. So this guy is really a kind of a hurting unit, and but he did we get we kind of got talking a little bit, and I just listened, I just listened a lot, and I was just you know, you know, Lord, how can I how can I minister? How can I what can I say? And we got about the second day in, and he says, "Well, I'm a Catholic." I said, "That's good. That's okay." He said, I'm probably going to go to hell anyway for all the bad things I've done. And I said, no. I said, right. I just like, no, 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 no. And the Bible says, believe, and you shall be saved. The Bible says we can be forgiven. I can see some tears kind of coming up behind his, his eyes. People need to hear. People need to understand. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And he for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish. So I thank God for the opportunity. I just pray that I can, you know, there's a couple more days of the job and somehow I can keep cultivating. Maybe I've got a new prayer uh, a person on the list. And so you just never know. There are people tucked away all over throughout this community. All over throughout this community. They filter in more in the summer. And you know, you, the streets here get busy. This, the, the lakes fill up with boats. And this is our time to shine. Amen? This is not our time to be frustrated. I wish these people would go back to their place, right? You can't get across the street. You know, come on. Jesus never, I mean, he got tired. He got tired while he was with the crowds, no doubt. People wear you out. People will drain you. People are exhausting. But Jesus also knew 
there were needs, not only in the crowds, but in a single person. And this story in chapter 4 is about the woman at the well. It just so happened. It was at the time Jesus was passing through. Now, how does that just so happen? I believe the Lord knew all the time that day he was going to meet this woman and there was going to be conversation. The problem with it was this. Samaritans were outcasts, looked down by the Jews. Why? Because they had a mixed Gentile blood in them and they worshipped another God. And so they were considered as, you don't even talk to these people. But Jesus comes to those who are the outcasts. Jesus breaks the rules, so to speak. He eats with the sinners and with the tax collectors. And the religious folks are upset. And by this time of verse 1, the Lord of chapter 4 of John, he says, when the, therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although John, or Jesus himself, was not baptizing, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again and again. It's almost like Jesus is, um, it's not worth to get involved with this conflict. It's not worth to engage in this argument. They're not ready to receive me yet. So I'm going to go on and I'm going to go to where there's someone who is. I'm going to go make myself available somewhere else and he had to pass through Samaria so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph and Jacob's well was there Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey was sitting thus by the well it was about the sixth hour so it would be about noon according to the Jewish calendar now listen the verse said Jesus was wearied from his journey that tells me that Jesus also had weakness in his physical body, the human body that he took on. Jesus became weary. Jesus understands your weakness. Jesus understands what it's like to be exhausted. Jesus understands what it's like to be overheated. And he's thirsty. And he sits down. At this well placed, Jacob's well, verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. That's kind of interesting. He doesn't ask her for a drink. Just give me a drink. Like, he's not afraid to, to, to embark or to initiate conversation. For his disciples had gone away to get food from Burger King, right? Whatever they had then, right? Not a good choice, okay, whatever. They went away to the city to buy food. This tells me also they had to make a living. They had to pay their way. They had to buy their own food. They had to pay for their own expenses. His disciples were gone. The Samaritan woman is, is talking now, and she asked this question, how is it she's intrigued that you being a Jew Ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman. Right away, some walls came down. 
She's intrigued by this. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. This is different. Perhaps this person is different than the rest of them. What is it that's different? Jesus answered, said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Notice how Jesus takes ordinary physical stuff that you and I understand and turns it into spiritual necessity, spiritual drink. Oh, there's another water? You mean I can drink some water that will quench my thirst forever? You mean I won't have to come here anymore? She's still thinking in her physical. Now, Jesus is a master evangelist. If you study the life of Jesus, he always listened, and then he spoke. He understood the person. He spoke into their life. He met them where they were. He went to where they were. And it tells me that if we're going to be a light, Let's be initiating, initiating the conversation. Sometimes you don't have to. People just are naturally talkative, right? Other people are not naturally talkative. It's not that we push our way on to them, but to be polite to them, to treat them as, as with kindness and show them at least you care about them. So much as a smile in the marketplace. So much as a hi or good morning. You have people, have you ever done this? Good morning, and they just walk by and they're like, whoa, whoa. They don't, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to deal with that. Well, that's okay. You keep loving people. You just never know. Now, Jesus is engaged. The first point here, the meeting of the Samaritan woman. First of all, uh, the, the, the Samaritans were considered the outcasts. And it just so happens, and I don't think it's just happened, chance, but it's God orchestrated. In Luke's Gospel 10.33, it was a certain Samaritan who was on a journey and came upon the man who had been beaten and left for dead. It was a certain Samaritan. The other religious guy and the Pharisee and so forth, they just kind of, not today. I got too much to do, you know. And how many times... Has God orchestrated something for us? And perhaps, if we're not careful, we will say, not today, Lord. I got too much going. But there, God is always at work. God is wanting to work in us so that he can work through us. That's why loving God first, foremost, will help us understand his love for people. Second, love God, love people, love life. What does that mean? We're loving God. We're loving people through God. And we love life because God is in our life. And he has a better way for us to live. He has a purpose. He has a calling for us. And it may be that you will meet someone today that needs your attention, that needs your love. And that person may be very close in the community that you saw many times. Maybe it's just a total stranger. I love it when God orchestrates opportunities and you look back and say you know what that was God how did that happen 
someone said, well, that's just, that's just coincidental. That just happens. Well, no, nah, nah, I believe if we're walking with God and we're, we're being led by him, God orchestrates our steps. The right steps of a righteous man are ordered by him. In other words, he has a plan. He has a purpose. So Jesus engages with this woman. And in fact, they, they spent some time engaging in conversation so much that she began to ask more questions. And she said, well, where does this water come from? Now, by this time, verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this. I want that water. If you could drink something that would make you 20 years younger, would you do it? Yeah, man. If you could drink something that would make you live forever, would you do it? You know what I'm talking about. The Lord is the spiritual water. Jesus Jesus himself. She's not catching it yet. She's there. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water. I, will be not, I, will, I don't want to be thirsty. I don't want to come here. I don't want to labor. Come all this way to draw from this water. And how many people are come up empty? And their innermost being is never satisfied. They've never found the real thing. They've never come to re realize that Jesus is the answer for their innermost being, that Jesus quenches the soul thirst. All of us have a soul thirst. All of us have a sin problem that Jesus himself conquered and overcame, and we are forgiven because of the blood of the Lamb. And he says to her, go call your husband. Now he's coming down to her lifestyle. We can't meet Jesus and stay the same. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now that was, a, that, was a, that was the way he confronted her without really blasting her. A woman said, I have, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have well said, I, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have truly said, or said truly. The woman said to Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The prophet of God could see things, expose things, see things in the supernatural, see things that events. God, the Holy Spirit, was in Jesus, orchestrating his conversation. He goes on, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. You people say that this is, right now they could have had, she could have just blew up and had an argument of arguments. Who do you think you are? Tell me how to live my life. But I believe there was something in Jesus' eyes of the Holy Spirit that had a compassion on her that she didn't have to live in that lifestyle she was, she was trapped into. And it got so, so, so in, in, enlightening to her that 
as you read through the, the, fi the final words of this, of this whole chapter later on, and this comes down to, oh, her life was changed. This is where it gets good. It, no it was not just about surface things. It came down to a matter of lifestyle, who we are as followers of Jesus. And so secondly, the message was Jesus holding out living water, holding the wonderful words of life, the wonderful word of God that leads us to the Savior. It is the Savior that we need. It is the name of Jesus that takes away the sin of the world. It is the name of Jesus that brings healing to a brokenhearted person, to a life that has struggled in, in bondage for so long, an entrapment. And Paul described to the Roman church that don't be enslaved. Don't be a slave to the sin. You can overcome to Jesus. Where do you get this living water? It comes through the winds of the Holy Spirit, through the wooing, through the convicting, through the convincing. But people like you and I that will say, you know what? There's another way to look at this. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to live with that heap of guilt and condemnation. In fact, I believe there are still many Christians that are not sure, not sure, really sure. They're struggling with the assurance of their salvation. Let me say this to help you, encourage you. The Bible says he who has the Son has the life. He who has the Son. These things I have referred to on. These things I have written that he who has the Son has the life. These things I have written to you, I have written to the church, I have written to the people of God, so that when they sin, 1 John 1, 9, if they sin, they turn to Jesus with a, with a humble heart and a broken heart and say, Lord, I have failed, I have struggled, but your blood cleanses my sin. And you confess it and move on. The message brings life. The message of Jesus brings hope. The message of Jesus, I was once, I was lost, I was wandering, I didn't have any purpose in my life. I was, I was mad at everything, I was mad at everyone, everyone around me was a threat to me. I did not like life, but Jesus comes. When I've tried everything else, when I've tried every other way to somehow have happiness, And Jesus can heal brokenhearted. Amen? I love the psalm. It says, it says that, that God is close to the brokenhearted. There's a lot of brokenness, brokenness, broken, hurting people in our communities. People that just need to know that Jesus Christ died for them and they are valuable. They have a purpose not just for this life now, but the life yet to come through Jesus Christ that we're going to live on eternally. 
And so as Jesus talked to, to this woman about the mountain, the worship, the place, and she, she says to Jesus, Jesus, uh, our, our, she says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, but you people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. There was this conflict. There, there, there was this confusion. There was a sense that she felt unaccepted, not good enough. Many people in our world today feel that same thing, not good enough, unaccepted, unworthy, just like the man I met who says, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go to hell anyway because of all the bad things. He hadn't yet defined that, that freedom, the forgiveness, when we humble ourselves. And so we move on. Jesus begins to describe what is it to worship. Jesus says, A woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship. He's looking past the, the earthly. He's looking toward the heaven of heavens. He's looking toward the throne room above where every knee, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that every nation, every tribe, nation shall be there. Belize, Belize will be there. But there'll be cross-legged people. There'll be people whom you, I think, sometimes we just make this so hard. Yes, I know, it seems so easy just to believe. The work starts when we believe. They need a friend. They need a church. They need a body. They need people that will love on them. They need people that will pray for, pray with them. It's, our work is never done, is it? What is it about this verse? It should cause us to hunger. A little, a little deeper understanding of who Jesus is. You worship that which you do not know. That's a sad verse. There are many other gods, so-called gods, that people are worshiping in our world today. There's an emptiness. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming. That's... That's now. When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Do you want to be a worshiper? I sense that you want to worship. One of the greatest things we can do in this life is be a worshiper. To worship the one and only true God. To lead the way for others to see that there is a one, that one and only true God who not only hears our prayer, but he lives inside our heart. And when you call upon his name, he's listening for you. We heard from our Sunday school session today from the speaker that we've been listening to. He quoted from 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Isn't that an awesome verse? And so that God is, God is constantly looking. Oh, yeah. 
there's a man, there's a woman that they're hungry for me. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to use them. There's a man or a woman in a, in a community far north somewhere. There's a person up on the east shore of Duluth somewhere. There's all kinds of people. God sees all people. Doesn't matter how much they have. Matters whom they have. Matters whom they know. Doesn't matter even how much necessarily you know about all the things in the Bible, but first you understand, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Therefore, I come to you, Jesus. I need this living water. I cannot be good enough. I cannot pretend to somehow earn my way, somehow to please God, somehow to override my sin with, with blessed, doing good things rather than just a bad thing. No, that won't work. Aren't you glad? The worshiper recognize the value of whom he serves. To worship something means you recognize the value. The value. Absolute value. Ding dong, whatever that is. Somebody rung the doorbell. Come in. The value. When you're feeling like, what is my purpose? There's another side of this. You can never do enough to make God love you more than he does already. Think of it that way. The Bible says we're called, we're saved by grace, not by works. But he also says we're sh he has works for us to do. So because of my understanding of who I am now in Jesus, I want to love people. I should feel compassion on those that are bleeding and broken. And I should want to do something. But it's never motivated because if I do this, then I will get in with God. It's because out of a, a walk with God, you just becomes your lifestyle. It becomes your, your second nature. It becomes who you are. And Jesus was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. He was just walking the life that God gave to him to walk. And just so happened, God orchestrated this appointment. And the good news is this. Their life was never going to be the same. In fact, she left. She forgot about her physical, the water. She, verse 28, she went into the city and said to the men, she left, left her water pot. Now, anyone in their right thinking would have took their water, wouldn't they? But she was like, something happened within her. She was excited so much. 
Forget the water. And I can see her outright sprinting. Outright sprinting. Joy, I have something to say. And verse 29, come. See a man who told me all the things that I have done. Now, this is not the Christ, is it? Is this the one? And then they went out of the city. And can't you see it? The whole city or most of the city is moving out to see Jesus. That's a revival. That's a, that's a spiritual awakening. That's an entire village. By one person. You see, what happens when Jesus saves a sinner, he has friends, right? A sinner often has a, a circle. And what happens in the church sometimes is we get, we get our friends saved, we get, all our, we get comfortable, and we, we forget, you know, there are people out there that need Jesus. And I'm just saying, I'm not just saying this because to down anybody, but we just have to be cautious. Let's not get comfortable with just being in the Christian circle, but let's move into, uh, let's let's try to reach out, initiate. Let's go a little further into the community. Let's go across wherever the Lord calls us. And so they went out of the city. And now, meanwhile, the disciples were requesting that. Somehow the disciples come wandering back in with their food, and then what's going on here? And he said to them, I have food. He, Jesus like, I, I, don't, I don't really need that right now. <laughs> he has a way of, of keeping his focus always. I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples are thinking physically. They're thinking, what? what, what did he bring something? Did, he didn't tell me? What, where is he? How did he do that? Jesus said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Have you ever been so occupied that you're so, so time-consumed, passed by, that you forgot to eat? Oh, you didn't feel like eat? Come on. None of you. One, two. I mean, have you done anything that exciting ever? You just I don't, I don't want to eat right now. It's, a, it's not an issue. Okay. Heaven is so good. The things of God are so important that we can even forget about lunch. Sometimes we can even say, you know what? This is so great. And now he says this wonderful. Do not say there are four months yet there comes a harvest because I say to you, lift up your eye, look on the field. They are white for harvest already. He who reaps is receiving wages, gathering fruit for life eternal that he... He who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together, but in this case the saying is true. One sows, another reaps. One sows, another reaps. Remember that. It's a, it's a principle. You may not be the one who reaps, but you can be a part of it if you sow. If you sow and sow. What does that mean? You give, you love, you, you encourage people. You plant the word of God. You plant the seeds. Another man May a woman comes and waters. But God causes the growth. God can only bring conversion. 
God, the Holy Spirit, can only convince people of their need for him. So you and I, that's not our job to convince people of their sin. We can encourage them. Sometimes people are ripe for harvest. Sometimes it happens, and that's a great experience. And they're ready. They need prayer. Sometimes it's praying just, just that they will be encouraged. Sometimes it may be praying them through to Jesus. Whatever. Rejoice. You had an opportunity. And so when I get excited when I see this story that this woman went back excited, wondering if this was the Christ, and you read on. Verse 39, and from that city, many of the Samaritans believed. Many, many of the Samaritans, of the outcasts. Because the woman testified, he told me all the things I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there many, or stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. It is the word of God like a hammer that Jeremiah says that breaks the rock. The word of God is our message. The word of God is our seed. The word of God is the living water. It points to the Jesus who is the living water. And the Father seeks the worship, those who worship in spirit and in truth. I'm going to just touch, I really like this passage for a couple of reasons. It, it, it speaks of the life in Christ, the changing life of Jesus, but also the sustaining life of Jesus. The one who sustains us when we worship him, when we give to him, when we, when we spend time with him, when we bring uh, even our brokenness, as the psalmist said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. We live in a broken world, don't we? We live in a broken, broken, brokenness. But when it comes down to the brokenness in our spiritual lives, The, the verse that comes to me in the book of Hebrews just speaks about be careful, it says, lest you drift. And he's talking about we can, we can get casual. We can get comfortable. And we just, yeah, you, you, we, we've heard it all. We've heard all that stuff. Well, let's be intentional. We have a message. We have God, the Holy Spirit, working, looking, setting up, orchestrating. And there will be days that you will not want to end. And you will be wondering, what's the next thing? What's the next thing God's going to do? What's the next way God's going to use us together? Maybe there's someone on your heart today could be a neighbor. I think we should always have someone on our heart. It could be a family member. I think every one of us would say we probably have someone that we would, we would like to see get encouragement. Come to find the freedom. Come to find the Lord. Well, you're going you're gonna to help the situation when you begin to stand in the gap for that. 
What does that all mean? Well, the person who's in trouble may, may not be crying out, may not be concerned right now. They're not, they're not ready to change. They're not ready to drop what they're doing. But God is looking for a man or a woman who will bridge the gap in Ezekiel and find us that he looked for someone and couldn't find one. One. But I believe there's more than one here today that are willing to stand in the gap for people who are struggling, who are in a place where they don't, they're not ready to, to hear, they're not ready to hear the gospel, they're not ready to receive it yet, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop praying. Because as I see, the, the real labor takes place in the, in the, in the prayer round. The real work, and I, I read this lady that Paul talked about a person that labored in their prayers. Labor. It's hard work to pray in that intensity and move with God. So I, I want us to, we're going to sing a bit, a song that just talks about I need you. I need you. It talks about bowing here I find my rest. All in all, God wants to do it. God will do it. The battle belongs to him. So if you stand, as we move toward the Lord today, through this song, through this moment, how many know there are things, there are people, there are situations you can't fix? I think every hand would go up for that one. There's a lot of things I can't fix, right? I like to think I can fix them. I can't fix them. There's only one who can fix them. If you've got someone on your heart today, let's believe. Let's believe that they'll become hungry. Maybe it's been a long time since you've seen a breakthrough. Maybe it's been a long time since you sensed that God is putting a burden on your heart. That maybe it's just that one more prayer, that one more cry that God will be able to have the time and use you to break through. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, fall apart. You're the one, guide my heart, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, I want to defend my righteousness, oh God. runs deep here grace is more oh grace is found it's where you are where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me and where you are Lord I am free Christ in me, Lord, 
confess that, Lord. We confess our need, right? We confess our need, our desire, our, our utmost, our innermost being right now. If we need forgiveness, we lift our heart to you right now in Jesus' name. There's forgiveness for you. If you will call upon the Lord, you shall be saved. If you just say, Jesus, save me. I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Come into my heart. You can utter that prayer. Please do. Please say it in your heart with me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me what I ought to be. With your help, help me to live for you. Help me to walk in your freedom and your goodness. I receive you. If you're here today, pray that prayer. Believe that with me. Right where you're standing. He will make the difference. He will come into your heart. There may be someone on your heart today that you're just you're weighted down you're weighted through it's just been a it's just been a struggle it's just been a struggle it's just been a battle let's turn it to jesus let's turn to jesus right now in this situation oh god 